0: There is one body and one spirit, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all. And that is our unity. That is the basis and foundation of our unity. And so I pray that over us this morning, as we uh, think of all of the different views and opinions and so on as followers of Jesus Christ, We are reminded of Paul's words in Ephesians. There is one body and one spirit, one faith and one baptism, one Lord and God and Father over all. Amen and amen. You know, we see little infants that become children, that become teenagers, that become young adults. We see this in some cases happen At first it's slow, but then all of a sudden it just seems to get faster and faster. We see young adults get older, some young adults get married, some of them uh, get older in life and start having children, and then the mom or dad all of a sudden wakes up one day and thinks, man, I'm becoming like my parents. And then let that settle in for a minute. And then, uh, just a sh- while ago, one senior was talking to me. And he said, you know, as I get older, and this is a senior, he said, as I get older, I want to become softer, not harder in my demeanor. I want to get, become more gentle, not sort of crustier as I get older. We're all becoming... Uh, The reality is we are becoming right up until the moment we are not. Westview, the third phrase in our vision, is that we are intentional in our spiritual journey to become more like Jesus. That's focus. That's specific. To become more like Jesus. Uh, But what does it, take to become more like Jesus? What does it take to be a disciple? Disciples and disciple-making has been happening for thousands of years. Uh, We are evidence of that. So it's very intentional, but what is essential for disciple-making? What does it take to be or to make disciples? I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, And we are delighted, for those of you that are joining us on live stream this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with them as well, to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and to chapter 28 is the last chapter. And in many ways, the last chapter of Jesus' earthly ministry as well. And he has been crucified and buried, and we are at the point now where some of the women who had been part of Jesus discipleship group yes some of the women were going to the tomb heartbroken to be close to to see to be near Jesus and they arrive there and what they discover is that the tomb is empty but there is an angel there and an angel tells the women to go and tell the disciples about this And as the women are on their way to tell the disciples about this, Jesus comes across their path. They meet Jesus. And He tells the women to go to, tell the disciples to meet in Galilee. Tell the disciples to go and meet in Galilee, and I will meet you there, Jesus says. And so that's where we find in Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the 11... DISCIPLES WENT TO GALILEE, TO THE MOUNTAIN TO WHICH JESUS HAD DIRECTED THEM. WHEN THEY SAW HIM, THEY WORSHIPED HIM, BUT SOME DOUBTED. WELL, SOME DOUBTED. YOU KNOW, BEING A DISCIPLE IS NOT A STRAIGHT LINE. BEING A DISCIPLE IS A PROCESS. and. It says that they met him there, and they worshipped, but then some doubted. That word doubted in, in, in the Greek, it means to waver, to hesitate. It actually conveys this idea of having two thoughts. Were they doubting because of this miraculous occurrence that Jesus, who was buried and was their friend for the last three years... They saw him and he was buried and now he's alive and he's with them and he's talking to them. And they recognize him and they worship him, but they're still doubting. And so it's more than just they recognize him and they worship him, but now they're beginning to realize the significance of all of this. The weight of all of this. And they're beginning to sense of the big changes that are to come. That there's some responsibility that they have. And what is, going to, what is Jesus going to do next? Because these disciples were ordinary people. They were going about their lives till Jesus came into their life. They were fishermen and other sorts of things like that. And they had jobs and they had responsibilities. And some were still working for their dad. And they were trying to make a living. And it was now going to be a bit scary. And it was unnerving. And there was going to be change. And they call it doubt. and it's honest, and it's transparent, it's authentic, it's real, and it's familiar to us too. There are times when in our faith journey, when we doubt, when we have two thoughts, when we waver, when we hesitate, it can be something small or something grand. And if we're honest, we also would acknowledge that we are bonded, we are masters to what I call square boxes. We are enslaved to square boxes, into lines. We draw lines, and we draw boundaries and parameters, and we we think, humans think in terms of in and out. We like things to be certain and predictable. And we also seem to be really bonded to volume. And by volume, I don't mean noise, but I mean by volume as in bigger's better. We somehow we we believe that bigger's better and that busy is better, that busier, the busier, the better. We were talking with young adults this last week about some of this and just realizing as we're reflecting and just thinking through things, how that can happen where we just jack and jam our schedule. We can overeat and overindulge, and we can over this and over that, and everything just is extra. And then we teach our children about just get busy and be busier, and get everything is full, and we just pass that on. And because we can, we do. But then when we come even closer to the subject of discipleship, to Be a follower, a student of Jesus. It gets a little more personal and we can have more doubt because in one sense we wonder, like, what does it take? And... Do I have what it takes to be a student and a follower of Jesus? And how do I do that? And even if I was going to be involved in somebody else's life to contribute to them either becoming a follower of Jesus or contributing to them being a disciple of Jesus, I get a little nervous about that because I don't know how to do that. And I don't know if I have the skills. I don't know if I'm equipped to do that. And besides, I'm busy. I have a lot of things on my plate, so we say it's kind of inconvenient. Well, maybe we don't say it, but we feel it because our schedule is so full, and then there's comfort, and I'm not comfortable with that, and so we discover this whole concept of convenience and comfort, and they seem to be pillars in our lives. And yet, here we are, talking about being focused, intentional, but our discipleship journey to become more like Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning, here is my statement, my proclamation to you. Every one of you, regardless of how old you are, you have what it takes to be a disciple and to make disciples of Jesus. You have what it takes. I can make that proclamation this morning, and I'm going to explain why I'm so sure about it. I'm going to explain that every person has what it takes. Because Jesus continues here in Matthew 28, verse 18. And these might be popular and familiar verses to you, but I want to encourage you just to listen to them afresh. Jesus came and said to them, While they were gathered there, he came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age, God the Father has designated that Jesus is the ruler and the king over everything. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is the ruler and the king over all the world. He knows it, He recognizes it, and He states it plainly. Jesus is Lord. If I were to sum up the gospel in three words, it would be these three words Jesus is Lord. Now it takes more to unpack, but that is the sum of it. The whole world is his stadium. All creation, all people, he is in charge. He's in charge of life, he's in charge of creation as we were praying this morning before the service. If God is love, and God has given all authority to Jesus, that means that love is in charge. And it's good news, and this is why he was urging his disciples to go and tell other people about this. It's good news because of the character of the king who's in charge. The character of this king who's in charge The character of Jesus Christ, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The character of the king. That's why this is good news. But do you notice the order? He says, go, baptize, and teach. Now, it's astonishing to me that he starts with go. They get together. He says, we'll meet in Galilee. They Everybody gets together. And what you would expect him to say is, get organized. <laughs> get established. You know, get into. But he says, go. And I can only imagine the, the, the disciples being stunned when they hear Jesus say, go. You know, I can only imagine them being stunned. It's like, wait a second. What do you mean, go? Um, and like where are you going, and what do you mean we're going, and we have a living to make, and wait a minute, we haven't, it seems like, we, we give us some more information. It's dangerous. But then he says, baptize. This is the other thing that is interesting to me. It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And so... Baptism in scripture in the New Testament, as we're learning about it, when they started baptizing people, it seemed to happen fairly early in the process of being, making disciples. It seemed like when people had said, yes, I believe in Jesus, and yes, I want to follow Jesus, that the next thing they did was they got baptized. There wasn't a whole lot, uh, uh, you know, in between there. It seemed like it was early on. And so what we can gather from that is what Jesus is saying is, go and describe the way the world is. Describe the king and who's in charge. It's this phrase, proclamation precedes teaching. That means that painting a picture and describing the way the world really is. Describing the way the world really is comes before the moral teaching that follows that. It starts with just painting and describing what's actually real and going on and who's in charge. And going to the point of baptism and then continuing in the journey. So what does it take? It comes at the end of that phrase that Jesus is speaking it begins with, go, baptize, and teach. But then he says, remember. In some of the other Bible translations, they use the word, behold. Like with an exclamation point. You know, it's, it's uh, imperative. But th- this translation says, remember. He says, remember. What is he saying? Remember, I am with you. Not remember, I'll meet you down the way a couple thousand years later. But he says, remember, I am with you. I am with you. The king is with you. So Jesus is present and active in the world. But then he sends the disciples, the people that are his followers, into the world. And so the pattern is that God the Father sends Jesus the Son and now Jesus the Son, 2,000 years ago, Jesus the Son sends the first disciples, and then the God, God the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit, and now it's the sending of the Holy Spirit along with the disciples that are going into the world and making disciples and expanding the kingdom. And so what does it take? It takes presence... To make disciples. It takes presence to make disciples. It takes the presence of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, but it also involves our presence, people's presence. Because of this design that he has made where God the Father sends the Son, and then the Son sends the disciples, and then God the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit in concert with the people that it is our presence as well. It is always and will always be life on life on life on life. Jesus and the disciples, and now the disciples and the Holy Spirit, and it's life on life on life on life. And that's why we can say, You have what it takes, because Jesus promised. He said, I am with you. His promise is that He's here. I am, I am, I am here. By the Holy Spirit, we can't see Him, but we believe that He is here. And you have what it takes because regardless of your height or your gender or your weight or your age, you have presence. And so that's also what it takes is your presence. You present yourselves to to the Lord and you say yes. And then in the course of your day, you can present yourselves. You can be present with somebody else. Regardless of who you are or where you're from. Or how old you are. You have what it takes. And I was wondering about music this week. If this whole idea of being a disciple means to follow, to, to be a student of. And in many ways, what Jesus was doing in those first few years of ministry with the disciples is, if I could use a metaphor, he was teaching them music. He was teaching them music, but he was telling them that there is an author of this beautiful, grand music. And there's a particular melody to it. And he was teaching them about music. And he said, I want to teach you about music. And then I want you to also play music. I want you to play that music. And when you're involved and you're playing, and now you know. But when you play, you're getting to learn the artist more. Because you can sit there and understand. But when you begin to be involved in the music. And you play the music. Now you're learning the music. And you're hearing the melody. And you're learning more about the artist. The author of the music. And Jesus is saying. That I'm with you. I'm actually with you. I'm right here. And he says, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be complicated. You won't even always want to, but you'll learn, and you'll learn about me, and you'll learn the melody. And it's beautiful. And that melody is different than the noise in the, gonging and the evil and the wickedness. It's pure and it's beautiful. And just go and tell somebody else about the music and the artist. You can start by just playing the music. Just be with somebody and play the music. And they'll wonder about, what's that tune? What's going on? And you can just describe how you learned about Jesus and that He's there with you.